Good morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, halfway there, 10 days out from enjoying Christmas. I'm still a little bit uh, uncertain about what I want to do for the holidays. My grandkids are in, in Virginia, parents are in California, another parent's in Arizona, brother's in Indianapolis. But uh, I think I'm just going to stay here. Got out last night to 21 houses in our tour of Christmas lights. I, I got to tell you, I, I guess I didn't know this. But you know, like when you live in a development, people are like, oh, I live in the Oaks or I live in Stone Ridge. And you don't always remember that. So I went out last night, and I guess I went to Sherwood, or Greenwood, some kind of Lord of the Rings forest. But it was out in Kerrville, Ingram, it was like Sky View, Oak View, Wild Timber, Big Timber, Timberland, uh, all those street names out there. And I tell you what, those folks did it right. There's some good stuff out there. Take a look at our photo gallery here on the uh, our Facebook page. Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is The Lead Live. I'm Louis Amistoy. And uh, The Lead is brought to you by Pint and Plow. Good to have Pint and Plow here. They're serving coffee this morning. We're also brought to you by the Texas Hill Country Advisors, Andrew and Gilbert. Thank you so much for all your support and all that you do. And K-Pub, safe, reliable, and yours. We're going to drag Mike Whitler on here at some point. Peterson Health. Thank you very much for your support. And our good friends over at Kerr County Abstract and Title Company. Again, we thank you for your for your sponsorship of the show. As we said, they are serving coffee this morning. And uh, happy to have all of you here with us on a Wednesday morning here in Kerrville, Texas. Once again, my name is Louis Amistoy, and uh, we are uh, we're, we're 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 looking forward to a great day of coverage today. And uh, it's, uh, it's going to be fun. Tom Jones is here with the Christian Men's Job Corps. We'll talk to him in a quick second here. Um, we went to the city council meeting last night. And there's a couple things I want to just talk about. Uh, one, um, the biggest issue was, it's interesting, like when you go to a meeting um, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, there's, it's, it's, they don't vote on anything. It's a work-study session. There are people in the community who don't like it because it's not they don't think it's transparent or you know whatever. But it was an interesting meeting because they kind of gave an update, an overview of of the whole, you know, the whole thing that's going on with some of the roads and some of the projects they're working on. And their question got down to there's this myth out there that the city wants to to um basically narrow the Sydney Baker Bridge to allow um, more pedestrian traffic across the bridge. Now, there is a sidewalk, but I have never crossed it because, you know, like I said in my story, you know, like if you, if you really live in Kerrville, there's two things that are frightening in this town. It's some of you drivers are terrifying. I'm telling you right now. And it's just, you know what, in retirement communities, that's what's going to happen. I've seen it before. I've lived it before. It's terrifying. Uh, so some people are reluctant to cross the bridge. Well, 
apparently TxDOT at one point was considering, you know, that this might be a situation that they need to look at. Pedestrian pedestrian activity is important. And there isn't really a very good way to get across that 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 bridge. So even though there's a pedestrian side of it, you know, how do you protect the pedestrians from the cars? Because uh, you get there's nothing to protect you there. You just get hit. Um, so in order to do it on that kind of eastern side of the bridge, you'd have to uh, reduce the lanes. So people are all up in arms about this. And Mayor Bill Blackburn got up there and he said, oh, well, you know, um, people called me and said that real tech, real Kerrville residents, they drive that bridge. They don't walk that bridge. And I was like, well, because real Kerrville residents know that you real Kerrville dr- residents were driving that bridge. You're taking your life in your own hands. So you're not going to walk it because you're afraid of them. Um, but Bill made the, the comment that I think was correct that it's going to be an issue at some point. Now, I think the walkability of the community is greatly improving. Uh, but this was an issue that they that the TxDOT's aware of, that the city's aware of, and improving the overall walkability of the community is something that's going to be important for the years to come. But and a lot of you out there were like, "Oh, you're going to widen, you're going to you're going to you're going to narrow that bridge down." Well, I mean, e- even TxDOT's like, "No, nah, that's not really a good idea." There's a lot of traffic going up and down that thing. That would make a mess. And um, and the question I think really gets down to is the bridge really appropriate for the amount of traffic that we have going over it. Uh, and that's going to be an issue that's going to be, that's, a, that's an expensive proposition, by the way. So, um, you know, you think that these uh, these road, Im- these uh, capital improvements that the county and the city want to go on, go into um, are expensive. Mm, put a bridge on there. The uh, other issue, too, that I think is interesting, and, and I think a little unfortunate, but it's the reality of this, is this Lennar project that's going in. And... Um, the truth of that project is that you are facing a situation there where the market is going to basically eat that project up, whether you like it or not. Um, remember that the city made a deal with Lennar to keep those prices sort of low, but there's no prohibition on an investor coming in with cash and snapping those things up. So, you know, you know, you know, if you have two point five million dollars laying around, which some people do. You know, they could go buy 10 of those houses in a hurry and flip them. And so um, it, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a difficult situation. Will that, will that happen? Probably not, but it could happen. And there's no prohibition to, from stopping it to happen. And the question got down to last night was like, well, what, what is Lennar doing to get the word out? You know, these houses are going to be – is there a waiting list? What's going to happen? I guarantee you they probably won't have to even build a model. People are so starved for that housing right now that – because there's nothing. And, you know, and, and I was telling, uh, I was talking to Jerry Magnell yesterday, who works for four premier properties. Um, I saw her yesterday over at the courthouse. Um, and she's a real estate you know, person. She's, she's been very successful this year. I said, it's interesting driving around. And she said, she stopped me. She goes, there's, cause there's, no, there's no signs up, right? And I go, yeah. I go, I, can, I think I can count the number of for sale signs that I've seen on one hand. I saw one last night. I go, I bet you it's under contract. I saw one in a in a in a really nice neighborhood, one, and so um, the, the housing situation here continues to be problematic, and uh, and you know there's really no easy solution for it. So this public private partnership, great idea. The reality of it is, mm, the market's going to say whether whether or not it's a great idea or not, and probably someone's going to going to snap all those houses up in a hurry. So if Tom and I had two and a half million dollars, we'd probably buy ten of them ourselves each. So yeah. Uh, the other issue that um, I want to mention too is, uh, 
you know, the other day I posted a story about COVID-19, and, of course, you know, people got upset about it. I, I just need to put trigger alerts up there for you folks, you know, when we're going to talk about science and public health. You know, it's not – look, here's the deal. Public health is not liberal or conservative, okay? Um, the Supreme Court yesterday turned back or last Friday turned back another vaccine mandate from um, from the state of New York, uh, opposition to it. Um, because the originalists on the on the on the court have a problem, you know, because the the founding fathers, George Washington in particular, were very much sort of pro vaccine as far as public health goes, because they knew the dangers of those vaccine of those, they knew that they knew the dangers of those um, illnesses on the army and on the on, on the communities as well, and those were like awful vaccines. I mean, that was like, you know, basically get yourself infected with smallpox in order to not have smallpox, which sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, so there's a real issue there. Now, I'm not saying whether or not the vaccines are right for you or wrong for you, whatever you want to do. It's kind of your choice at this point. But the truth of the matter is that we have a we have a problem coming down the road here. And the problem coming down the road here is financial at the end of the day. You get a lot of sick people in there and this stupid virus, you don't know who is it going to affect right it's common sense at the end of the day it's common sense you don't know who's gonna you don't know you, you don't you can't look at somebody and say i can look at people all day long and say mm, covid likes you and they survive it and then it takes somebody else who's perfectly healthy we just don't know what their underlying conditions are or how it's going to affect your body so omicron is here in texas and down in san antonio and then of course i had the people like oh you're trying to scare us i'm like i tried to scare you i'm just trying to tell you what the reality of it is and the reality of it is, um, and I can tell you this right now from my own personal experience, my father was in the hospital up in Arizona. He couldn't get into the ICU because there were so many COVID patients in the ICU. Um, probably all of them un unvaccinated. And that's frustrating for those of us who, you know, like he, he had a pretty serious medical condition, needed to be intensively cared for. So um, this is where we're at with this thing. So Omicron is here. Um, it's apparently highly contagious. It is also hopefully less severe. And when I say less severe, we don't know what that means. Less severe, like your toes aren't going to fall off or your lungs aren't going to fall out of your body. Let's hope it's that, not that bad. But that's where we're at. The other part of this, too, is that the state is saying that there's like 250 cases. And last night, uh, Fire Chief Eric Maloney, um, Eric Maloney got up and said, that uh, he doesn't believe the numbers. And I agree with him. I completely agree with him. I, I don't think if we had 400 cases like the state says we have, then we, we, Peterson would be jammed up, would be full of COVID patients. They have like four. Okay, so I don't know what, who knows? This is the frustrating part about this whole thing. And now I'm going to take the mayor to task for a second because here's the thing. Bill, I love you, but you're going to get paddled by me. You need to ask the question about fatalities. I don't understand why this is an issue. Do it. Um, and look, when they get up and they say, Dub Thomas, and everybody says it was 141 deaths, that's not true. There's 201. Look it up. Look it up. And why does this matter to me? Because one, it's truthful. Two, it shows the veracity of the information that we're trying to deal with, or it shows you how virulent this, this virus can be in certain populations. You know, you think about this for a second, right? You know, yeah, it's 
recoverable unless you're 75 years old, you know, with underlying health conditions, then you then it kills you real quick. And so this is the thing, like, I, I want you guys to look at this number. I've been telling you for a year, a year, that Peterson has not been counted in the totals. And I'd send a note to DSHS about it. Like, we don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, it's on your own spreadsheet. You don't count them. Look it up. And who knows? Anyway, I, this, this is the thing, right? This is the part where I get into leadership. You know, um, leadership has to happen when you say, like, what really is the toll on our community? And you look at the death toll on this thing, too. And I mentioned this before. August and September, you don't see respiratory deaths. Hardly ever. You know, um, you don't see them, in, in, at least in Kerrville. And you can look at the data. You know, now I can believe if it's not true or what, but it's, it's the truth. Uh, somebody brought up yesterday, too, another point. This is right. This is, uh, I feel like I'm playing tennis here with myself. Uh, the, brought up the point yesterday at the city council meeting that the city didn't, didn't, wanna, um, didn't want to uh, hear the conversation about the election. This is where, like, you know, there's a couple times, like, as a journalist, you want to come out of your seat and just, like, run over and, you know, like, oh, please go out, out of the room with you. There is this faction that believes that the election is the city council is illegally put on there because of the election. Remember, the election was postponed because of COVID and then we had because they don't believe in COVID. So we can't ha happen that way so that they are basically um, illegally shortening the term of Brenda Hughes. Well, what they don't say is they're also then illegally lengthening the term of Mayor Blackburn and Judy Eichner beyond the six months of where they were supposed to be according to the city charter. So basically what happened in that last meeting, this is where this, you know, they said it was undecided. No, it was decided because there was no action on it because they didn't want to take an action on it. They want to keep the election in May. And the one who is affected by it, Brenda Hughes, is like, well, I'm fine. I'm good with it being in May. I'm okay with it. But there's like this disconnect, and I just, I don't know. i got to have Tom Jones in here, too. He's either going to have to serenade me with, like, like he's going to talk me off of the ledge here at this point, because uh, he can do that. He does this for a living. He's an incredibly, um, he's a, he runs in a, oh, hello, Bella Sher, how, how are you? Hey, come in here for a second. Come sit, sit here just for a second, real, real quick. Bella Shearheart, um, uh, pull the microphone up close to your face. Um, <laughs> how did you get Santa Claus? Um, his name is Santa Mario Claus. Mario Claus. And um, previously, another photographer that doesn't live here anymore, Jen Langford, she yeah. used him for a decade, and yeah. everyone came to him annually and loved him. And um, he was very highly requested. He, so he he did a great job. He was amazing. I yeah. gotta tell you though, I was I wanted to lay in his lap, and I I figured if I did that, you he would probably, probably would have let you. He I know he friendly. was pretty accommodating. I, I figured though you would have ejected me from that situation. Oh, that you know, he he let even people who didn't sign up to come and yeah. participate. We had lots of walk-ups, and and we let I let them take cell phone pictures, and he didn't turn anyone away. Right, so you should have turned him away. You should have said, "Get out of here. This is my." You shoot. know, I thought about it, but. Wouldn't have been the Christmassy. I liked. I I was happy that the photos I posted of you were very well received. It was great. It was fun because I was just like sneaking around and and it catching was, catching you. It I was didn't. Fun. I didn't post the one of Jerry though. Oh, that's okay. She she I had I have one of Jerry's hand. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh. So, telling yeah, you. Yeah. Now? Telling me to get, get, out get of my lost. Face? Yes. <laughs> right. 
Uh, well, good, good job. Yeah, thanks Thank for coming by. Thank you very by. much. I appreciate that. Yeah, anytime, right. anytime. Have a great show. All right, all right. Uh, Tom Jones is here. He's not the. It's not the crooner, Tom Jones. Do you ever get asked to sing, Tom? Oh, it, we'll pull that microphone right close uh, to you. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you do get asked to sing, though, right? I do. I've sang for many years. Do you? What do you sing? Uh, at church. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I sing a lot of specials. Can you sing uh, any Tom Jones uh, originals? I don't. You don't, right? No, no. I, I don't want people throwing things at me. Yeah. Uh, when you you're you're in the uh, you're in the the time of year where, you know, it's funny. Like I'm, I'm not very church going, but I love the more religious Christmas music. I mm-hmm. love the hymnals and things like that. Do you have oh, a favorite yeah. Christmas song? Uh, not favorite. No, I like them all. You like them all? I I, I, I actually like all kinds of music. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What What do you like to sing? That. What's your favorite gospel or fa- favorite hymn to sing or favorite church song to sing? Uh, you know, it'd probably be pretty corny because it'd probably be something like Amazing Grace yeah. or something. What's, why is that corny? That's a great song. Though. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's, it's it's old. It's yeah. very old. Like me, yeah. getting old. It's <laughs> getting old. But people, though, I mean, Amazing Grace, though, you know, it's such a powerful piece. You know, mm-hmm. and you consider the whole backstory of Amazing Grace too. Yeah. Um, and it's really been. I mean, it's such a there's a there's a thing where you talk about music being connected to your your spirit. I mean, mm-hmm. people sing that song and you just see them weep, you know. Oh yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and it and it and it touches across all 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 parts of our our society too. It you know? does, it does. It's a beautiful song. You know, um, Tom Jones is here with the uh, Christian Men's Java Corps. Um, I've had the opportunity to go to two of these breakfasts that they have, and without a doubt. You're, you're always going to have a moment. One, you're going to have a really good breakfast. And by the way, the last breakfast they had, there was some kind of unusual enchilada dish that was there that was really quite... I never really get quite, to eat. You never get to eat. You're too busy working. I know. I, I never know. get to eat. Um, how did you get involved with the Christian Men's Job Corps? What, what, is, your, what is your story? Uh, back in 2002, we had a big flood here. And we started Kerr Interfaith Disaster Response okay. to rebuild Kerr County. And I got involved in, in uh, very deeply involved in ministry. Yeah. And whenever we got all of that finished up, I got a phone call that said, hey, we're uh, from Bill Blackburn mm-hmm. and Dave yep, Weekly right. that said, hey, we're uh, going to start a men's ministry. We think you'd uh, uh, be the perfect guy to lead it. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, probably not. You know, I've been praying about what to do and trying to figure out what direction God wants to lead me in. And I, sa- I said no and hung up. And then I realized, you know, I've been praying about it. And then I get a phone call mm-hmm. and I tell them no. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm thick-headed, so I called them back in, uh, in 2005 and said, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Why did they think that Dave Weekly and, um, and, and Bill Blackburn, what did, they, what did they see in you, do you think? What was their what I was have their no idea, yeah. but Dave called me after they interviewed mm-hmm. me because mm-hmm. they, they had an interview process, yeah. and he called me back, and he said, you know, I'm kind of curious. He said, when you came to that interview, you were extremely confident. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, we are calling you to be the director. He mm-hmm. said, but I need to ask you why you were so confident. And I said, well, it's pretty simple. I prayed about it. God told me to come over and do this. And, mm. and so the rest was on y'all. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's, uh, a, that's a pretty good story, too. I yeah. mean, so they saw this in you, though, beforehand. So they, what, the story was they wanted, you to, they wanted you to consider applying for it. And you said no initially. Right. And then you really started to pray on it a little bit. And, you know, what was that process like for you? You know, how long did it take? It you didn't take it? any time. Yeah. Because uh, like I said, I'd already been praying, seriously praying about what God wanted. I had a small business at yeah. the time, yeah. a land clearing deal. So yeah. I was fine financially. And right. I had a hunting outfitting service. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that forever. Uh, but um, 
no time. Yeah. I called back that same day and said, you know, I guess I'm just thick-headed. Right. God speaks to everybody different ways. With me, it takes a two-by-four and a phone call. Right. <laughs> and, and, and when they were talking about this this program, were you already thinking about this kind of program? Or what were you? What were you? Never considered it. Yeah. Never considered anything like it. Yeah. Um, and, and so it was interesting. It was a fun thing. I think it's one of those deals where... God's able to take all your life experiences, yeah. just like he has with you yeah. and others, yeah. and uh, take them and mold them into something good for his purpose. Right. When, when you, have you ever been in a situation there, too, where, I mean, you're dealing with men who, you know, I mean, for a variety of reasons, have just not had opportunities, have been in prison, have had drug abuse issues, alcohol abuse issues, maybe even, you know, abused children in some cases or neglected uh, is there a point where you just th- throw your hat off and say, I'm done with this? Or Oh, never. Tell me, tell me about this, this journey. Never. It, it, you know, up until the last three years, uh, the men applied because it was their own choice to want to move forward in life. Yeah. Uh, and it got to where um, the numbers were really, really low. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, again, spent time praying about what direction to go. Uh, it's kind of a funny story with that. Uh, uh, Judge Williams, Keith Williams, a good friend, and he yeah. had called me one day and said, hey, I'm talking to a bunch of attorneys here, and we think if we could get this guy in your program, it could change his life, or we're going to have to send him to prison. Right. And I was not nice when it, because he put me on the spot with an audience, and I was not nice, and, I, and he knows I've apologized for that more yeah. than once, but I was like, we do not take people that are mandated to be in this program. Yeah. We, we don't feel like they can learn if they're being forced. Right. And, and uh, so I called him back about a year and a half, two years later, and said, hey, you remember that phone conversation we had? Well, I want to change that. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, because I served for 15 years as the chaplain for Kerr County Sheriff's Department. Right. And I uh, was, was uh, seeing a real need there that wasn't being met. And so about three years ago, uh, well, a little over three years ago, uh, I met with uh, the judges, all the judges and, and uh, the DAs and everybody and, and uh, Andrea Bodie over at adult probation and just presented this option to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, Lucy Wilkie is, is, is kind of like a hero for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she said, start coming to court. We'll start looking at people. And, and uh, before we even got through that first day in court, uh, she came back and said, never mind. I talked to the judge and we're just going to start mandating people. Right. So it was kind of their idea once they saw the benefit in it. Yeah. And from there, it's grown. We had um, it was interesting because you had one one speaker lined up uh, for this 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 event a couple weeks ago, and and it's over at uh, Tucker Hall and Episcopal Church or St. Peter's Episcopal Church, and that guy, it's kind of a funny story, really. He couldn't couldn't make it because the goats had gotten out, and he was. Tracking the goats down, but then we had another gentleman come up, and I mean, he pinch hit, but it was a devastating experience. I mean, emotionally for a lot of us in that room, right. listening to this right. large man tearfully, actually tearfully thank Lucy Wilkie right. for for diverting him to this program. Right. You know, what was that like for you to hear that kind of story? Uh, well, like everybody else, I had tears in my eyes, and I'm not a very emotional person. Yeah. With the counseling I do, I, I, you know, I kind of keep my emotions in check. Right. But uh, Marcus Duarte right. is who you're speaking of. Yeah. And, and uh, Marcus, uh, I've been working with for about three years, Yeah. Uh, trying to, to get him to, to do everything from a, a place to live to, uh, you know, getting his family uh, rejoined. Right. And reconciliation on right, all fronts. So right. it, it was it was pretty emotional for me. But I, you know, I knew his story. But even hearing it from him, 
and witnessing him do that in front of his wife and kids and his pastor and yeah and and almost 150 people he didn't even know right um, it, it, was, it was that was courageous yeah because it's not a pleasant story I mean he talked about how he was just completely out of control the kids wanted to do it and his wife had issues too I think as his well. wife just got out of prison about six months ago yeah, yeah yeah so they both were struggling with things mightily yes you know? yes they were um, but I mean, you know, you said you saw a need for it when you were the pastor, um, uh, the chaplain for the, for the sheriff. What was that need, do you think? Was it because you could make the argument that the, these programs are important for reducing recidivism? And, you know, how do you how do you measure that success or measure success with this program? And, and tell me about that need that you had, you know, when you were the chaplain. Well, I, first off, I believe very strongly in consequences for your actions. Mm -hmm. So I'm not anti anything when right. it comes to men uh, being held accountable. Right. Uh, big exact. I went to court one day and uh, to to help with a, a case, and Lucy called me up uh, long enough to say, "All I want to ask you is one question: Do you mm -hmm. believe in accountability?" And I said, "Yes, ma'am." Right. Right. She said, "Well, then I'm done here." Yeah. So that's all we're trying to do is hold these men accountable. Right. But when I was serving as chaplain, I, I, I saw the recidivism rate was just incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had just frequent flyers. Right. A lot of times it's because they could not meet up to reasonably for them uh, all the, the, the things they were up against after they went to court. Right. They would be told to take life skills, anger management, battered intervention, uh, parenting, uh, all these different classes. And, and we not only don't have a great resource for that here, uh, it's costly. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Uh, and, right. and so, and then they have their court fees and fines. Yeah. And, and they're expected to get out and work for a lot of times a very minimal job. Yeah. Uh, so that was the need. I, I thought, you know, if we can, if we can transform what we currently do to, to more be aligned with the courts and what they're expecting from these men and, and offer it for free, uh, then we will find out whether or not uh, they, they're serious about how do you how do you combat that sort of discouragement, you know, that some of these guys must face, you know, like there's nothing better for me. I'm just going to I'm better off in prison than I am here. How do you how do you combat that? How do you how do you fight that? Uh, getting getting them back to to, you know, as a counselor also, it gets them back to their roots a little bit, mm -hmm. getting them to realize that a lot of what they have may be generational. Yeah. Right. And, and once they can uh, cognitively recognize what's going on there, mm -hmm. uh, then just by association with other men that are trying to move forward a little right. bit, get them to, to realize that there may be a hope there for them right. if they're willing to move forward. Right. Uh, tell me, so just walk me through this for a minute. You know, so I, let's say that, you know, I, we, you know, you've got somebody that's coming through the program. What, is the, what does that look like? What, is that, what does that program do? What, what is the process? Well, it's a pretty simple application. We don't turn anybody down. Right. Um, yesterday I was talking with one of the uh, parole officers out of Bear County, and she's got a list of people mm -hmm. she needs to send. Uh, when they first come out of prison, they're required to, to take anger management, um, and, and they love what we do. And so I just simply send them a link to our website and tell them to apply. Right. When they apply, we contact them a week before classes. Uh, we greet them. I let them know, look, I know you don't want to be here. Right. Uh, I probably don't either. I'd, I'd rather be with my grandkids right, right now. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. But we're going to get through this together. We're not uh, uh, judicial. You know, we, we, we have no, no nothing, you know, uh, care about your past or why you're here. But we do feel like you're here for a reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you'll either get on board with us as we go or you won't. Yeah. I leave it up strictly up to them. 
but and and I don't put a burden on them. I tell them you can participate, not participate, but it's going to be your loss if you choose not to. Right, right. And men are men are pretty reasonable mm-hmm. when you give them the opportunity, yeah. even the worst of the worst. Uh, if if you have the personality to go up and sit down and visit with them for a minute, learn a little bit about them and actually truly care about mm-hmm. them a little bit, uh, they will they will start seeing the value in that relationship. Because right. it seemed like with Marcus Doherty's story, you know, that he not only had, you know, he had substance abuse issues, obviously pretty severely, right. um, but was never really kind of given the opportunities. And and once he kind of was able to sort of clearly see what was out there in front of him, he's made some pretty good choices. Sounds like. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say wouldn't give an opportunity. I would. I will tell you that that he he had a very low self esteem. Yeah. And and because of that, every time he approached failure, right, he went back to his comfort zone. Right. And and he found that you know, look, I can't do it, and and uh, there's no way I can I can do better, and never really saw the value of life. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You know. How, how do you combat that? You know, I mean, you're a counselor too. I mean, how do you combat some of that? Those self-esteem issues are huge, you know. It is, but but there's a worth and value in everybody's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's up to them to, to to try to figure out what that might be. Yeah. And so I don't do a whole lot of digging with people. I literally um, counseling's the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah. All you have to do is be a good ear. Right. But you have to get them to engage. Right. right. And and with Marcus, he's he was a, a, a willing to engage. And uh, after a few minutes of talking with him, you saw what he can do. Yeah. And so once he exposed all of his faults, then it was easy to, to get him to stop and see what mm-hmm. he might be giving up. Right. Has there ever been a case that was so tough you thought this is never going to work out? Oh, all the time. Yeah. yeah and d- and time. Uh, you, what, what is, what's one that stands out in your mind that ended up being successful? Um. Well, I mean, I don't want to call anybody's name. No, that's fine. Anything, yeah. just, it, it's just I, I a generalization. I don't want to anybody's privacy. But, but, but in general, I mean, I had a young man that uh, uh, grew up with a, a pretty dysfunctional home life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had numerous charges against him mm-hmm. uh, and um, felt like he was just bulletproof. Yeah, right. And uh, by the time he's done with all of it, he's moved on and he's in ministry. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Uh, and and that wasn't me, by the way. I don't take credit for anything that right. takes place over there. <laughs> How do you connect, you know, businesses and companies and those, you know, to give these men an opportunity? You know, there's a lot of good examples of this with the, with the Christian Women's Job Corps too, where you see a lot of success stories. Um, and you know, but how do you how do you how do you gain the trust of those 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 companies that need to hire these guys too well of course right now it's not hard because they'll hire you for any reason right, right now exactly, you know yeah. <laughs> nothing no big trick with that <laughs> we're, we're not we're not job focused yeah uh you know the women's job corps focuses a lot on, on Jobs, work yeah, yeah and uh, uh we're not focused on that so much but but um employers call me regularly uh because they're just looking for people they always have yeah uh, with exception to uh, uh, large corporations, you know, they don't normally here in Kerr County, they don't normally care right. too, too much, but they will call and say, hey, d- did he do well in, in your right. classes? Right, right, right. And, uh, and so it's, it's, not a, it's not a hard thing for us. Uh, uh, it just is a natural thing. And, and, and the men prove themselves on right. the jobs. Um, the program, you know, teaches, you know, you, you teach what? What is, the, what is the main thing that these guys need help with, you think? Um, you know, uh, you could put it all in a category of life skills. Right. Uh, 
but the anger management portion is pretty powerful as well because it, 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 it literally takes them back to the beginning, mm. to the roots, right. uh, to try to establish uh, who they were, where they came from. Then they're uh, at a better place to accept the life skills class. Yeah. Uh, the financial portion, I mean, uh, there's a lot of broken families over finances. Mm -hmm. And my instructor, Jay Ireland, for that, he does a phenomenal job with uh, getting them to understand you can take a very little amount right. and, and, uh, and do a lot. Right, with proper budgeting. And, exactly. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but knowing your expenses. Knowing your expenses, you know. right. Um, yeah, um, that, that's a tough one for a, a lot of people living outside their needs, that's for sure. Uh, we're talking to, to Tom Jones. Um, I got some questions for you already. Uh, Jeff Ch Jeff Tallarico wants to know about your dog. <laughs> well, you know, I, I had a dog for 15 years. Yeah. That that uh, disappeared. Really? It was an inside dog, a small dog, and it disappeared. Broke my heart. I got that dog when my kids left for college. Yeah. And I said if I'd have known I could be this happy, I'd have never had kids. All right. Now I love my kids because yeah. of my grandkids. Right. But Jeff um, bought this beautiful dog. Yeah. A uh, little black and white mixed bread right. dog. He won't admit it's mixed bread, but uh -huh. it is. <laughs> and uh, and and I and and my wife saw the dog, and I said I want one, mm -hmm. and she declined. Right. And so Jeff actually helped me finagle around to soften her up a little bit, and so I ended up getting a smaller version. <laughs> Uh, but I got a, I, I did get a puppy that's six months old now. Yeah, right. And uh, she's a terror. Oh, wow. <laughs> and okay. She tore, and Jeff, she tortures Tracy. Nice, nice, <laughs> uh, nice. Every morning. Uh, so, but thank you. I love her. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. The, uh, the, the dog, um, you know, there's nothing better than having a good dog, though. Right. I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's funny. I see this guy walking every day with his dog, a little white dog. I had a little white dog for, for five years. We lost him way too soon, and um, but I see this guy, you know, older man walking this little white dog um, every morning, and I like I'm sure that's the probably the highlight of their day. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, yeah, going out and for the, the cruise that I used to call my 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 walks with him. Yeah, so. my wife is actually jealous of my dog. Is she? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and I told her if you would greet me yeah. at the door. Yeah. Wagging your tail and yeah. jumping up in my arms, uh -huh. licking me all over the face. Yeah, right. You know, right. Yeah. but after 37 years of marriage, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> There's an awesome, uh, I think it's either like on TikTok or Reels, and it, I've actually had it up, but it, it shows the power of dogs. And it's a, it's a little boy, you know, it's like these two little guys and the dog. And they're all at the door waiting for the big brother to come home. So right. it's like a three-year-old the dog and then a toddler like who's like kind of crawling and the brother gets off the bus and the dog is going crazy the brothers are going crazy the dog is wagging his tail it's just so funny you know to see that <laughs> but to annoy my i like to pester my wife so i used to like what i'll do sometimes is i'll just like follow her around the house like the dog used to do oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> yeah and she goes, well, you're not roadie. You're not cute like roadie. You right. Know, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so your dog, yeah, I mean, the dogs, that's the thing about the dog. No matter, no matter if, they're, if you're having a bad day, the dog's best part of the day is when you come home. Yes. You know, is yeah. there any kind of, is, do any of these guys respond? Uh, do you have that as part of your program, too? Because sometimes, you know, these guys, you know, they'll have an animal with them. Yeah, maybe I'll get Jeff to bring his up there. Yeah, give it right. Yeah, a little therapy dog. Yeah, because yeah, his dog is, is uh, uh, he showed me a video of his dog dragging his granddaughter around in a chair. Oh, wow. My dog's not that trained yet. It's too small. That's funny. So. That is funny. <laughs> um, I, uh, 
I, my daughter had uh, dog sat uh, a couple of um, uh, border collies, you know, or Australian shepherds, and it's funny those dogs. They're really characters, but man, those dogs hyper, they're hyper. Yeah. They're constantly looking to herd. Like, is there something I can herd? Is there sheep that, right. are, that can move? You know, you put them around deer, and they're like, oh, let's go, let's go do some work. You know, <laughs> that's right. So, uh, talking to Tom uh, about the good work. You know, when you see the response you had uh, a couple weeks ago at Tucker Hall, um, and I know I gave I gave full disclosure I gave fifty dollars um, because we've we've done um, the women's job corps donations previously, but um, I think we have. I hope we. I think I think my wife has, but um, I, I thought it was important, you know, just to it give is. a little bit of money, you know, for the yeah. work that you're doing. Um, but how satisfying is it to see that audience that's there? Oh, it, it was mind-boggling. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, we only do this every other year. Yeah. Uh, because I like to make sure we've got a, a really healthy update right. uh, to, to show and, and uh, testimonies to share. And mm-hmm. I don't want to cheapen it by doing it too often. Yeah. Uh, and But uh, it, it, it blows my mind. Right. Uh, the care that the people in Kerr County have for this community. I'm always fascinated, too, by the idea that you know, how, you, you talked about this earlier, and if you guys missed this part of it, it was a fascinating part where uh, Tom was asked to lead this effort, and he said no initially. But you prayed on this issue, and then, it, you know, you, you knew right away this is where I wanted to be. But did you know that you wanted to be doing this work with these kind of, these kind of, no, of people? How did no. you get to there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I got conned into being the chaplain. Right. Rusty Rusty is a good friend. Well, he's pretty he's, he can control people, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, he he laid he laid a guilt trip on yeah. me and yeah. promised me all kinds of things and oh, Rusty never keeps his word on that stuff. That's yeah. just Rusty. Right. <laughs> you know, right. I I never even got my business cards. Yeah. He just was <laughs> but, there. Yeah, but but every year, you know, um it's it's funny because they they actually uh sometimes you you think they don't see the value in what you're doing mm-hmm. for yeah. the the facility, but then you uh you have private talks with them, and they they absolutely see the value of right, it. Right, right. Uh, so I don't know. I never I never imagined myself doing that. So um, when you, when Rusty came to you with you know, and I always think of the chaplain as more of like you know, for the deputies or for the the corrections deputies. W- was it more broad than that then, or how did that work exactly? It started out. Uh, Max Dunks used to be the the chaplain mm-hmm. for the uh, for the sheriff's department, and and it was just they were having some services and yeah. a few little classes and stuff. Rusty wanted to broaden it, mm-hmm. and uh, and and he would tell you it's not a, a rehabilitation center, but some of those men are in there for a couple of years, mm-hmm. so yeah. it needs to be right. And so we opened the door up. We started teaching all kinds of classes, a lot of the same classes that I teach. Uh, we started teaching a lot of classes. Uh, I still did do some ministry work with a lot of the officers. Right. Uh, so it, 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 it honestly, the, they were never going to make it a paid position, mm-hmm. which had nothing to do with me. Right. But that's what they normally probably should have right. there, as broad as it was. Uh, but you know, like Rusty said, why would I pay anybody if I got you? <laughs> I said, I've got you point. to do the work. That's yeah. Well, I'm going to pay you. Uh, that had nothing to do with me leaving. Yeah, okay, right. You know, I just, I just, that uh, served 15 years. I was getting burned. I love the story though too. You, you were saying that um, you know you 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 wanted to you thought about living in the mountains. That was kind of your that was your jam. Um, yeah. Which probably means you'd be going to Colorado with the rest of Texas. Uh, Colorado is the only state that uh, Texas loses more people to than than they get, um, but 
you know, your wife said, no, right. we're staying in Texas. Um, and and you, you came to Kerrville. How did you, 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 you kind of grew up in the Houston area, brought, raised your family there, but, but what brought you to Kerrville? I, I um, did not want to raise my family down in the Houston area, right. Deer Park, Texas, where right. we were. Right. And it's not a bad place. I yeah. just didn't, you know, the crime rate's extremely high. Right. And the chemicals in the air, you know, you yeah. kind of glow in the dark. Right. And I didn't want to raise my family there. Right. Um, and uh, we were driving one weekend, drove down here to uh, uh, Louise Hayes Park mm -hmm. uh, in my Jeep with my two small children. And, and uh, my son was in first grade, I think, mm -hmm. at the time. And actually had a boom box stolen out of my jeep oh, wow. the same, same trip <laughs> oh really but i know yeah and, and but we're they were building the state hospital back mm -hmm. in 92 right and, and uh, my wife said uh, what do you think i said i love this place i think yeah. this is where we're supposed to be right and uh, she said can uh, can we make a living here i said i can make a living anywhere right right and uh, so i went over to the state hospital and said hey i'm a master electrician y'all hiring anybody mm -hmm. and uh, they said if you can start monday well you got a job so we moved right yeah. yeah, a master electrician, you, you could probably still be doing plenty of work right now. I gave it up. You gave uh, it up. When the state decided to grandfather clause licensing and become a state license, yeah. uh, I had to make a choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I could I could have just filed the paperwork, got my yeah. licensing. Right. Uh, but I knew that if I did that, I would not depend on God. Right. I would I would go back to me. Yeah. And and so I literally just let it go. That's that, that had to be a difficult decision too. Very difficult. You know, what was that? How long did that take you to make that decision? A long time. Uh, all the way up to the deadline. Yeah. <laughs> right. To file. Right. Uh, but but I just know me. I mean, you know, I'm gonna depend on me and my own ability at right. some point and I needed to learn to let go of that and, yeah. and not do that so much. Sorry, we have the minute we turn the lights on. It's December and the flies are still here. We turn the lights on the light the flies come. We do everything we possibly can to stop the flies here. But um, the the biggest issue for you um, dealing with the, uh, you know, the challenge of, of managing this program is what what do you what, what do you face with this? Uh, I I don't see any challenges. The the keeping it uh, funded yeah probably is is the hard because we don't do a whole lot of uh, PR work right. You know we're kind of silently doing what we yeah. do. Uh, right. That's true. And I told them at the breakfast the update for the last three years we've had 167 men complete mm -hmm. this course. That's amazing. Uh, but so we're we're kind of quiet about what we do. We don't make the paper a lot mm -hmm. by choice. Yeah. You know, uh, occasionally we'll put stuff in there. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, we don't uh, we don't get overwhelmed with financial donations like a lot of people, which is why we had that breakfast. Right. Right. Um, and that was, a, and that was, a, that was an impressive event. I mean, as I said before, I mean, it was at the you know, Episcopal church and, and there was just so many, I mean, Marcus Duarte's story was so powerful yeah. uh, that it just, um, it, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting to hear, you know, that perspective. It is, but what, you know, you got to remember when you're dealing with, with the men that have, that carry those types of burdens every day, um, Structurally, the organization, there are no big problems. Mm, yeah, <laughs> right, right, you know? right, right. Uh, we, we don't face any of the problems that these men have to mm, face. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if the worst we have to worry about is, is the funding. And, mm -hmm. and, of course, now we're over at the Veterans Center. Yeah. And uh, uh, Alan Hill's just been awesome. He just opened the door up and made it ours almost. Yeah. You know, just a, a, a great marriage there. Right. Are you – do you – do you depend on volunteers to help with the classes? How do you? How does that work? How do, how do people get involved? Completely. Yeah. Uh, completely. I've got vol my volunteers have all been with me a very, very long time. Yeah. Uh, Joe Castillo that teaches a life skills been there I think 14, 15 years. Wow. Wow. 
Uh, Jay Ireland has been there for the finance for, I don't know, seven years probably. Right. Uh, right. And uh, and the the Bible instructors, I've got them various pastors and laymen from all over yeah. every faith and denomination teaching that, and they've right. all been there long term. And you have a lot of guys to kind of draw from too, you know, that that can help you with this. Right. Uh, who helps the most? Do you think? Oh, I can't do that, man. We oh, have, they, man. Have, they have personal battles <laughs> over that. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, that, that's getting sensitive there. I've got, I've got a couple of my instructors that fight over parking places, and it's free parking. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there today because yeah. I'm sure some of them just probably, you know, thoroughly enjoy the work too. Oh, they love it. Yeah. 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 When we get done, they want to know if we can start go ahead and start another one. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, you also work closely with law enforcement. We talked about Lucy Wilkie, uh, one of our DAs here, and. Uh, what has that been like to work? And you had DAs and judges at the event uh, that, that morning, too. Right, right. And, and generally, they're all there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were reasons that, uh, you know, I, I ran into a couple of them later that were yeah. very apologetic. Right. But, but they still support 100% what yeah. we do. Right. Uh, but, and Stephen Harpole, he's been, uh, you know, the 198. Stephen's yeah. been a uh, supporter and helpful with us from the very beginning, from, right. from 2005. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. Right. I mean, they're the, you know, we live in a very unique place here in Kerrville. Yeah. And, and, and whether I, I even tell the guys in class, whether you like them or don't like them, they've done you a favor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. When you look at the underlying situation, you know, with a lot of these guys, is it, is it drugs? Uh, what, what, what is the one that, that kind of bothers you the most or you see the most of? Well, drugs is what you see the most of. Yeah. Uh, what bothers me the most I, I, um, is going to be, a, 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 I guess, the sensitive. Anything that had to do with children or something, right, you know, right. that's always going to bother you. Yeah. But honestly, that's the reason that, that I don't dig into their past a right. lot. Because I don't care who you are, there's certain crimes that are very sensitive to you. Yeah. And so I don't want to develop a personal prejudice towards somebody based off of what he's done. Right. I want to keep my mind open about moving them forward. How hard is that for you? Difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it is difficult right. uh, because, I mean, there's times in counseling that I hear things and I'm sitting there with my mind saying, okay, stop. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, let's, let's, let's put this aside and let's focus on what we, what we should do to, to help this right. man. I, I, I know just from my own personal experience that, you know, uh, when I've – reporting on anything having to do with children has been a, a very difficult, you know. And I, and I always feel – I remember when my daughter was really young – you know, really bad child abuse case we're reporting on. I was like, I don't feel like I can be objective, you know. And you're supposed to be objective as a journalist. And I'm like, I don't feel like I can be objective on this. People looked at me like, what are you talking about? I go, I, go, I, I just imagine my own kid, you know. Right. Uh, and, I, and I eventually, you know, taught myself, you know, that I needed to be in this position. But, man, it's so hard. It's so hard to, to do that. And so training yourself, you know, to put in that position. And obviously, you know, for you – um, you, you rely on on God. You rely on you know mm-hmm. the, the, those works too, um, and and you've trained yourself, I guess, through the years, right? You have to. Yeah, yeah, you have to, and you have to find outlets for yourself. You know, my wife is one. Yeah, uh, the biggest one. Yeah, uh, but you have to find ways to get your mind totally refocused. Right. Uh, a lot of times it's through reading scripture or yeah. going to church. A lot of times it's gaming. Yeah. Gaming, really? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My guys laugh at me all yeah. the time yeah. because I've been gaming ever since I've been doing this work. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. What's your go-to? What's your what's your gaming jam? Oh, uh, Halo. Halo? Yeah, I'll really? school you. It's still, oh, man. 
That's funny. We were talking the other day about gaming the other day, and um, I, I made the joke while I was telling the story that I love video games, and uh, I love the kind of the strategy games, and I would play Civilization, and then I gave it up for a long time. Um, yeah. And uh, I remember I went through a really bad breakup before I got married my wife, and and I was really depressed about it. And uh, I, my mom, you know, sent me a video game. It was a Star Wars shooter game, you oh, know, like, yeah. like an early version of Halo. And I played that game for hours, you know. Um, it was so great. And then, and then we would play other games. But I was playing. I, so I gave it up for a number of years. And we were living in Colorado at the time. My wife was in California. I was in Colorado. And, and I started playing this video game because I didn't have anything else to do, right? And... and she would she would call me and I and I'd be playing the game and I'd be distracted, and she's like, "What do you, what do you, why are you sound so?" D-? And I was trying to conquer like you know Europe oh, yeah. at that point, you know. And I'm like, oh, you know, I uh, I'll call you later, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping my wife's not watching this because she's probably thinking you just publicly embarrassed our whole family. It's okay though. Yeah, my, no, my son's ashamed of me. Uh, but yeah, you know what? Yeah. Are you better than them though? I mean, that's the well, thing. they won't play. They won't play. Oh, no, really? No, they're, they're too mature for they're that. They're too in their mature. 30s. You're right. Um, <laughs> what was the first video game console you had? Do you remember? Xbox. Xbox? Okay. Yeah. No, my kids had all the Nintendos yeah, and all that stuff. Right. I never right. did play ne- any Never of that. did play that, right. But yeah. you got an Xbox and you started playing. I did, yeah. 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 There were, um, when I was a kid, w- I remember we got ColecoVision. Uh, and um, and we, we, we would go, we'd buy these these games and my dad got us like one game and then we, we literally pulled together every nickel and penny we had and bought another game. And I want to say that those games in those days were pretty expensive in the early yeah. 80s, you know, like maybe $20 or more. Um, and so, and compared to what they are now, I mean, it's like, it's, it, was, it was dumb, oh, yeah. you know. But, um, you know, it's, it's just funny, though, how gaming, though, is, it's, it's therapeutic in some ways. It can be. It can be. It can be, yeah. uh, it can be a huge distraction, <laughs> Yeah, I did have a guy in my last in this past class we just graduated that it was an addiction. Yeah, right. And so him and I, I had, see that. had we had a lot of fun talking about it. Yeah. And then then I, once once we realized that that was a most mostly most of his addiction yeah. issues, he would till two or three in the morning. All right. And then trying to work. Well, and I, I I agree. Um, I, I've heard uh, a, a story one time uh, did a story one time on a guy that um, uh, who. He, he had a video game addiction. He fell asleep. You had to be at work at a certain time, but he was playing some game, you know, until like 2 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, he got up early, and he was driving to work, and he fell asleep, and he hit head-on a tanker truck, you know, and nearly killed him. Not nearly got killed doing it. Yeah. Um, but somehow survived. And, and so that is a problem, I think, a lot of times. I think a lot of times, you know, you know, the issue gets down to the younger kids. Like, well, are you going to be in your technology or are you going to go out and do something for fun, you know, right. exercise-wise? Right. But at the same time, though, um, it, it's, it's – I get it. I totally, I totally understand it. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, and it's funny, though. Uh, I was talking to, you know, it's – for guys in our generation, it's increasingly part of, the, part of the norm, you know. It's a huge entertainment thing. The people so. that I've been gaming with, yeah. one of them is a professor at yeah. Bemidji State. Yeah. One, of them, uh, one of them is a, a – uh, well, they're all very successful all right. people from all over the U.S. All right. 
Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, like how gaming is, though, you know, changed through the years. I was watching a video the other day. This is crazy. Of guys who war game. Uh, who take the little the little figurines, right, and they put them on there, and they measure stuff out, and then they have these rules they follow, and they throw dice, you know, and the, all these rules have to apply. And I'm like, that seems like a lot of work. Right. But these guys were all, you know, middle-aged guys who were playing these games, and they were totally into them and playing for years. It's just part of the, it's part of the deal, you know. Well, you have to have a way to, to, to refocus. Yeah. And, yeah. and everybody's got their own things. Yeah. You know, uh, if, if, if it was always beautiful, I could just replace it with fishing. Right. And, right. Uh, or, you know, any, anything. But right. you need a way to, to get out and get your head yeah. clear. Right. Um, you Do know. you think gaming connects you sometimes with those guys a little bit, too? Like, you know, the, I mean, the, I mean you're, you're speaking a language uh that makes sense to me you know all oh well, sudden, we do yeah. with my guys it is because we've got a group text and we we know <laughs> I, I mean i i can tell you whenever their kids were born and <laughs> you know and and uh you know we've been friends for many many years when i yeah. went to canada bear hunting yeah uh came back and stayed in minnesota with one of them right. for a night right. and, and just had a i mean we're 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 like a a, a distant family yeah right uh, so yeah what kind of bear did you get in canada I, I bow hunting. Bow hunting. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I, I'm an archer, and and I killed a, a Pope and Young uh -huh. uh, black bear. Black bear, right? Yeah. Uh, about seven yards from me, whenever right. I let go, and and uh, uh, because it was trying to come into my blind. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> you know? they, they will come and, and get so, you. Yeah, yeah. I saw another video. Speaking of dogs, the other day, I, I think I shared it on my Facebook page. Uh, that it sh <laughs> it shared. Um, Look what my dogs brought home. It was in the video, right? And there's all the dogs are like jumping up on top, like like they had like a like a little ledge or window, and the dogs are trying to get into the house. And with the dogs was a brown bear cub. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, look at our dog's new friend. Yeah, no, and the, not and good. and the dogs were, I mean, the dogs and the bear were just great together. You know, they were wrestling and doing stuff together and. But the bear wanted in the house with the dogs. You know, I was like, that's the last thing you want. Is yeah. yeah that that, that bear is going to turn into like a thousand pounds here pretty quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. so has your wife let you get another dog? Not yet. Not yet. Maybe for Christmas. Maybe for Christmas. People don't turn away you Christmas. Know, I don't have, see, you know, I live, I rent here in, in Kerrville because uh, you can't find anything to buy. But, and I gladly rent and I love where we live, but we don't have a fence. And I feel like I should be able to, like our dog, we had a Maltese poodle mix. Oh, that's what I had. You know, is that right? Yeah. See, they're the best dogs in the world. Yeah. Um, and you know, you would poodle him out, right? He would get him. He would get. He would get. You know, done up. You know, and um, and he would immediately go home, and he would go outside, and he would get himself dirty. Immediately, every single time, he right. would go get dirty, and he would he'd have crap all over his face and and stuff, and so. I love the ability for him to, was we love the ability for him to be able to go outside. Right. And we don't have that right now here in, in our, our place in Kerrville. And so yeah. Um, yeah, they have big anxiety issues though. They, they do they have separation issues. They yeah. don't like to they don't like to be alone, no. Yeah. And um, he had actually severe um, issues with uh, traveling. Uh, and yeah. he did not like to be in the car. He was yeah, mine of, did too. Yeah, he didn't like to be in the car them. and um, we would take him places and he if he, if he could sit in my lap while I was driving, right. you know, he'd be fine. But then I w like one time we were we were driving someplace in separate cars and the dog was in my lap and my wife's like, you know, furiously calling me like, 
get the dog out of your lap, get the dog out of your lap, you know. I'm like, you're calling me, and the dog is in my lap. What am I supposed to do? Ignore you? I mean, yeah, so. Well, uh, maybe you need to get one you can bring up here with you. I know, yeah. Um, there was a Maltese Poodle mix here uh, yesterday. If I really want to make my wife mad, though, I'll tell her that I'm going to get a standard Poodle. You know, that'll make her really upset. So They're, they're awesome dogs. They are awesome dogs. And talk about ferocious. Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, so what did, what did Jeff give you then? Did a multi poo or what? No, what no, no. Jeff didn't give it to me. Oh, you, you got I, yeah, it from Yeah, Jeff should have. Yeah. But, but he right. didn't. Uh, but no, I, I got a uh, Cocker Spaniel poodle mix. Oh, nice. And, uh, nice. and, and she is uh, lovable as she can be. But yeah. she, man, she likes to bite. Yeah. Playing, but Playing, likes, to right, bite. likes to bite. Little puppy teeth. Right. Tear you. Yeah. We, we found, um, we got our guy uh, at a shelter. And it was stunning because we saw him, on the, saw him online. This is like 10 years ago now. And we saw him online, and my wife's like, well, there's a dog. Because she didn't want a dog. And, you know, or she wanted something stupid like a chihuahua. But, um, you know, we, we were like, no, let's not get that. And I'm also allergic. Actually, we're both sort of allergic to dogs. Right. So the Maltese Poodle mix was perfect. Right. And um, we, 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 we found him online. And his name, they named him Rhodey because they found him in the road, you know, running around. And we'd always look at ourselves like, what, what, like, can you imagine how cute this dog was? <laughs> oh, <laughs> he yeah. was a puppy. Uh, he was a great dog, though. And um, mine was extremely ugly as a puppy. Was oh, he really? I, yeah. Whenever we went, we went to uh, um, was it Corsicana or somewhere yeah. to mine? Yeah. And uh, on the way home, my wife was holding him. She said, "I can't believe you paid that much <laughs> money for this thing." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, well, he's gonna be cute one day." Yeah, right. One day. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Uh, but he was pretty, pretty ugly when he was a puppy. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, our guy was. Uh, we were. I was explaining to him that, um, you know, he had the Maltese sort of tail, you know, kind of the poodle face. Um, was a terrible hoarder of toys. You know, you put the toys away. He would immediately relocate all the toys to his little areas. Uh, he was also, you know, poodles can be jerks, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so he would do things like take my dirty socks and put them on my, on my wife's pillow. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Tom. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Um, I appreciate the invitation. I appreciate it. We'll have to have you come on again and talk more about uh, everything you're doing and, and all the good work you're doing as well. Again, if people want to know more about your organization, how do we find out? Uh, cmjckirkcounty.com. Okay. Or they can call everybody in Kirk County to get my phone number. We will right. post uh, <laughs> that here in our in our in our in our recap and uh, for that. Uh, a couple things uh, real quick here before we go. Uh, today at 5:15 over at the Dieter Center, uh, the Parks and Rec Department of Kerrville is doing a kind of a listening session about the Parks Master Plan. Um, and an important one too. If you you have an opinion about the parks, you should definitely go to this and, and let them know. Uh, they haven't updated this master plan in ooh, almost 15 years. So uh, I tell you what, one of the things, uh, I don't know, Tom, you, if you've experienced this, like my grandsons came here. They love the parks here. I mean, we took them to Louise Hayes a couple, you know, three or four times. We took them to the library and the park, that little playground that's back there. We went all over, went to the Guadalupe River Park. They loved it here. Um, and so they do a great job with the f with the with the parks. I'm telling you, there's been some events here that have been, you know, the tr the light the island at the Tranquility Island that was really well done. The the Halloween event was great. But what other things can we do here to enhance the experience of, as Gil Salinas says, the quality of uh, the place that we live in? And so if you're interested in that, that's at 515 at the Dieter Center. I definitely recommend going to that. 
I'll have more coverage of that as well. And then I'm going to go out tonight and look for more houses. Uh, I told everybody that I'm going to do it for 12 straight days. Uh, tonight is night 11. Uh, I got 21 houses last night, so check out our map. It's updated with 160 homes. And uh, that's it. That's all the time we've got for the day. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, and if you're interested, please help out those guys at the uh, Christian Men's Job Corps. They do a lot of great work, and uh, we really appreciate uh, everything that they do and everything that they've done for um, this community. And, again, the stories, I can't even begin to tell you how important those, uh, those stories are. Tomorrow's show, Thursday, Delane Sigerman will be here. And Delane will be talking uh, to Kim Richards about the uh, short-term rentals here in the community. Uh, and then on Friday, we're going to have, uh, I'm telling you right now, we're going to have a crazy show. We're going to have, we're going to talk about food. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, just stuff all day. And I think Phoenix Miller will be here to sing some songs for us too. So there you go. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. <laughs>